Not safe for network. I'm Biggs. I'm Brandon. And I'm Carl. Today we got a lot of stuff to get to, so we'll just start out right out of the gate. Norm MacDonald died. Yeah. Been fighting cancer for nine years. It's pretty fucking rough. Carl let us know, and I, I was sure it was a cocaine addiction when I heard it because he's got a long drug history. Yeah, that's, and I'd seen. Let's he, make that. That's the first thing we should bring up. Well, I'm trying to get to it. Like I'd seen he looked really unhealthy over the years, but he had told so many stories about doing coke that I had just assumed it was a drug thing. So, yeah. Well, what with the, that rash of deaths in L.A.? From the fentanyl laced cocaine. Yeah. We lost three comedians and an actor, Mike and Michael, Michael K. Michael K. Williams, yeah. Yeah, this was totally different. But some of the it was I thought it was fake at first. I had to like go and research it because it it was just like a link on Twitter and then there were no other things about it. And I had to search for him and then I saw them start to just like grow exponentially i went on to something and saw he was trending like number one right away (laughs) so it was i went to look up a video on youtube i think and it just immediately popped up so yeah yeah uh i guess like my favorite norm mcdonald thing he probably ever did was dirty work i really Uh, love dirty work (laughs) it's such a like movie about bad people but it's a lot of fun i feel like it's right in step with where comedy's at right now, right? Like when it came out, it felt like it was pushing at the edges a bit, but now it's like, it's right in what we do with comedy now, right? Like comedy is mean as shit lately. <laughs> yeah, that's true. He, Yeah, he was ahead of his time when he made that movie. I remember him most from SNL when he did a weekend update and uh, when he would play Burt Reynolds on Celebrity Jeopardy. <laughs> and... Uh, I read a story that made me laugh that apparently he got fired because he wouldn't stop bringing up the fact that O.J. Simpson murdered his wife. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, because (laughs) because O.J. Simpson used to work for NBC Sports. And so Dick Ebersole, who used to have ties with Saturday Night Live and wasn't quite there but was still high up in the network, really had a problem with it every time. Actually, it was higher than that. It was the head of the the West Coast operations. Yes, it did go higher than that. But that's where it really started was – uh, from the stuff that I've heard was Dick Ebersole had an axe to grind with him, which he then took up. And then once they told him to back off of it, he refused to back off of it. And that eventually got him shit canned. And then I think he immediately went to having a sitcom called Norm, right? Yeah. Uh, there was like two years in between it because uh, Norm was 99 and I think he got fired in 97, 98. It was – not quite at the end of the season. I know that. Like, they just sort of whipped Colin Quinn in there, which is how we wound up with Colin Quinn as a news anchor, quite frankly. Like, that dude has zero charisma. I don't know how he managed to, like, hold that for a couple of years. No offense, Colin Quinn, but, you know, we all know you suck. <laughs> <laughs> He's one of those comedians that has an axe to grind.
line with like everybody who thinks that they should watch their language at all. So I don't feel terribly bad for him to be honest. Next week, Colin Quinn's gonna die, and we're gonna have to. You're gonna have to retract all that and apologize. I already got a thing about how he is great on remote control on MTV, <laughs> and then he should have stopped. <laughs> all right. What's next? <clears throat> well, we had a trailer for Hawkeye. The first thing I messaged to the group was that I got strong Matt Fraction vibes of the comic book run that he did. And then, Brandon, what do you say? So I brought up that Shane Black going to sue somebody. Yeah. For taking his uh, Christmas deal with the uh, mental instability. Which was right when I was trying to make a Shane Black comment, so I had to, like, delete it. <laughs> <laughs> Because that was what I picked out of it right away. A big Christmas vibe. The way the action looked in it, it felt very much like the the action movies we got in the 90s, I feel like. Like a lot of that kind of like high energy uh, action, th- like buddy comedy kind of thing. Like it seems like Kate Bishop and him are going to be kind of like a buddy team, right? Yeah, he's not really her mentor. They're more like peers, equals. In the comic, at least, he's divorced and he doesn't have any kids. And so he's all alone and he lives in this derelict apartment building uh, and then the Russian mafia owns it and they start evicting everybody and he reluctantly comes to the rescue of these kind of weird people that are living in this building and a pizza dog. Man, this sounds a lot like an A-Team episode. We talked <laughs> I was about. just thinking the same thing. <laughs> oh, it's a, very, it's a very simple plot that's just executed incredibly well and... I think this show is going to draw a lot from that mixed with all the other stuff that they've set up for their bigger stories. But uh, what's funny is right after we posted those messages, I was on Twitter and I saw that Paul Shear had tweeted something along the lines of, just saw the Hawkeye trailer, it's like Shane Black married Matt Fraction. <laughs> Which was too funny that he used our exact two comparisons. Our different perspectives, he saw them both. Yeah. We did not get a chance to talk about Rick and Morty last week. We got way derailed. And so we figured we'd carve out a little bit of time to talk about it. So what was you guys' feelings on the season as a whole? I really liked it because it was a lot of one-off stuff. And it, I, I mean, they were really poking fun at like not making anything canon and just like, you know, exploring the characters in different ways. So I enjoyed that. And, you know, they still ended up adding a lot of ethos to it. I mean, you do take the fact that the president comes in in one episode, right? And they have this whole long history where Rick just constantly fools him into thinking he's a turkey to get pardoned every single year. But And we've seen the president before, but that was not anything that we had heard before. Like, apparently they have this long running thing. I, I really enjoyed that. That might have been my favorite episode. I am a fan of any episode the president is in because Keith Davis yeah, is the yeah. president. He is awesome. And that one was pretty great. Uh, just the way that they have to fight each other because their egos are so – they're just – Gigantic. And the fact that it also kind of is the, is kind of a homoerotic dance. <laughs> <laughs> Which eventually ends up with them giving each other five while the president is shirtless and then wrestles the turkey version of himself, right? <laughs> so, yeah, I think homoerotic is the right term for that. <laughs> I think the weakest episode was the one with the sperm. 
Yeah. It was just kind of a I little thought, much. I thought it was fine, but yeah, it, it went a little further than I think most people were comfortable with. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Giant incest baby? Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's funny. Now that I think about it, you say that about the canon, but there's a lot of canon stuff because like the incest baby comes there, well, back there, in another yeah. episode. Well, they're just like building more canon, like just like, throw, future like, seats. Throw, like throwing different stuff out there. I think what I'm expecting in the future is they're going to have uh, the galaxy lady from the the vindicators re- yeah team up with planet the planet girl planetina or whatever well i know we're getting that revengers web series we talked about a few I episodes planetina back. will be in that I, it sounds like it's going to be before they all died oh well, it's a fun uh, so it's like a prequel it's a fun uh, uh team up to imagine because it's allison brie and uh gillian jacobs so he would be bringing two of his community people back together for a reunion, and that would be awesome. And then they could just film that movie while they're at it. Yeah. <laughs> That'd be awesome. There is a – speaking of Dan Harmon, real quick aside, there is a new series from him that has been announced that is – going to be on fox like a fox anima- animated series but it still kind of has the rick and morty-esque look to it because that's like a very popular style at the moment and uh it has to do with like they're gonna do basically i think a lot of rick and morty-esque stuff but specifically with greek mythology and so there's like all these kind of like greek-esque gods and them meddling with human affairs and having nonsense with each other and one of the characters is like half manticore half centaur so he's like a centicore (laughs) (laughs) which means he's like half human half horse half snake lion goat goat yeah (laughs) half man half bear he's five different because because yeah he's five different things it's just silly uh and so the voice cast looks really sweet it's like a bunch of the what we do in the shadows people so yeah so we should talk about that we got speaking of that yeah we got like the first three episodes that dropped uh i know you wanted to cover this brandon what'd you want to say about it what we do in the shadows has been so much fun because i actually went and re-watched the second season because I knew that they were going to drop the start the new season. So I just kind of rewatched all of them. And it is as funny on rewatch as it is the first run through. Like I actually would, was just watching and then it just rolled into the new season. I uh, didn't even like notice the break. Yeah, it ties perfectly with the end of the last season. For sure, we get a little Take IYTV cameo at the beginning. We've got Christian Shawl showing up for all three episodes, I think, for at least like a little bit of time in all three. Yeah. I think she's joined the cast. And that's not shocking <clears throat> to me because, I mean, she has a long history of working with Take IYTV already right. and, and Jermaine Clement. From Flight of the Concords. So she's definitely popped up in other stuff that they've done. So it makes sense to me. It's weird though, because I was watching it and I was saying to my wife, I was like, that's Carol and uh, Last Man on Earth. She's like, yeah, yeah, okay. Because she wasn't really listening to me. She just didn't care who that was. And then after a while, she, she was like, is that that actress with the really funny voice? And I was like, yeah, I, I told you this already. <laughs> She's like, oh, I didn't know that's who you're talking about. But she like really covers up her voice by doing that accent. Like usually 
that's a dead giveaway with her voice and kind of the way she looks, but the way they have her in that shroud and everything and the way she's talking that Transylvania accent, she's actually kind of dis- like disguising herself a bit. Not enough where I couldn't tell it was her right away, but we got Ada Turturro from The Sopranos in it, who played Janice. She's basically the person who torments the vampire over and over again because he always wants to turn her into a vampire. And then she's always like kind of pushing him off for eight or nine years and then they (laughs) reconnect. But it turns out she was a werewolf the whole time. So then we watch her become half vampire, half werewolf, half human, I guess. (laughs) (laughs) And that was a lot of fun. They're just constantly playing with that stuff and i really enjoy it like it feels like they're not putting limits on joking about this stuff right like that the haunted doll for the second season is still there and still agreeing with her all the time because they go to for a vote on something and they're like the doll doesn't count and they're like why and they're like you're you're the same person basically <laughs> it's not <laughs> fair <laughs> so yeah i'm really enjoying it and it was fun that Take Away TV showed up at the beginning, too, because a lot was made of the fact that he was going to be hands-off from the writing staff this year. So I didn't feel like it slipped at all. I feel like it's maintained its level. Want to stay on the Take Away TV train? Sure. sure. Uh, going to Reservation Dogs. I've been watching – actually, I was just finished an episode of that before I came over, so I'm six episodes into that. And i am really been enjoying that one and mostly – what I've really got out of it is the uh, the most accurate portrayal of Native Amer- American life I've seen, almost period. Like special, like a modern Native American life. Certainly in a show, I can't think of any other shows that even bothers to show it. Right? Yeah, and I mean it's almost exclusively a Native American cast. Um, there's a few white guys, but. They're basically the white guys that live on the reservation and trying to be native. Well, <laughs> there's also the guy uh, who they they have that whole thing where they where they're like, "So what are you Japanese or whatever?" And he's from San Francisco, but he kind of takes offense to it because they're assuming he's doing an internship from somewhere else, and it's like, "No, I'm I'm American." So I thought that was interesting that they included the other side of that. Like they're not. It's they're fully fleshing out their character. Characters. They're not like perfect people by any stretch in this show. Like everybody, whether they be a good character or a bad character, is they're all fully fleshed out yeah. human beings. How many episodes have you seen on two? That? Okay, <laughs> so I like it. It's the, just the there's first, a lot of shit coming down the pike right now. The first two were I'm just kind of setting up, but it's been interesting because the the episodes after that they really start deep diving on individual characters and giving a lot of their, like, they had one episode that was, like, almost exclusively the cop, like, him and the young kid go on a uh, ride-along. And, like, being a cop on the reservation, like, what he goes through on a daily basis, it's funny, but it's also, like, very poignant on what it's trying to say. And that guy feels a little worthless the way they set him up in the first episode because he's just like – he's just asleep in a squad car while they're driving by in a stolen truck and stuff and he just has no clue what's going on. Yeah, they go way deep into his story and then actually you – he doesn't seem quite so like inept. He's – after this episode, basically he he sees everything. He knows what's going on but he's letting a lot of it slide. I really, really do enjoy, like, the Native American voice, like, actually being, 
loud and proud in that. Yeah. It's um, also just a funny show on yeah. top of it because I the, the show does seem to be a hit. I mean, I can't say for sure, but they it seems have like they've already greenlit a second season on it. But I would say the one knock against it is everybody keeps talking about the diversity first, which I get it. Like I totally get it. It's they've been they haven't had a voice, but I think sometimes that crowds out the fact that like the show is legitimately funny and yeah. it's got dramatic stuff in it that really works too. And I think that, like, underplays it because I think a lot of people hear that and just kind of tune it out. But, like, also, it's a really good show, dude. Like, it's really fun. Yeah. And it's really funny. Do you know the character Kenny Boy from that show? I've only seen two episodes, so I couldn't tell you the name of any of them. Like, I I haven't watched it enough to. Uh, I'm trying to. I don't remember who that is. He's in the first episode, but it doesn't look like he's a major character at all. Anyways, I met that guy when I delivered him food in L.A. (laughs) They, so uh, I delivered one of the recurring cast members. Is there a good story? You a good tipper or anything? You can find a picture of it on the community subreddit because I identified him as Blade from the one episode. Oh, <laughs> I know who you're. Okay, he's the white guy I was talking about. Like he was, runs a scrapyard that they sell the truck to in the first. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. I know that guy. Yeah, we both look like homeless guys in that picture. <laughs> he also looks like a homeless guy in that show. So. Yeah. <laughs> he wears it well. He's a good guy. Yeah. He offered the selfie to me. I I didn't ask for it. That was pretty nice of him. It was cool meeting a minor celebrity. I mean, he lives up in the Hollywood <laughs> Hills. He's doing good. He's married to some like Hollywood type. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or something like that. I think he is like I don't know I could be making this all up but I thought it was like I looked him up at some point and he was like either dating or married to some producer's daughter but I don't know that doesn't account he gets his roles because he's good right you know Taika Waititi doesn't pick people because of nepotism and I know there's these not people... like a lot of New Zealand people in Hollywood so <laughs> <laughs> it's it's a tough thing to do well he's not New Zealander Kirk Fox he's just American guy no, no, I was talking about Taika Waititi. And he didn't really, he only he funded He can't do nepotism. Movie. There's no family around to do it with. I'm saying like the Hollywood people that are other The Hollywood insider. Yeah, like it's generational at all. Everyone's got parents that had something to do with it so nowadays. The last thing I want to say about Reservoir Dogs is- uh, Reservoir Dogs. Not Reservoir. Reservation Dogs. Tarantino. By the way, they do do a nod- to reserve reservoir dogs that's hard to like get one when you're like keyed into the other right yeah. but yeah they definitely like have a visual gag with that in the first episode i think it's a third episode they're talking about bear's biological father who lives in la and he put out this uh rap video called uh greasy fry bread you can check it out on youtube it's fucking hilarious so they did supplemental shit for it yeah that's amazing. I yeah, like it's it like a full like three and a half minute music video. I think Rick and Morty did something with a website. I can't remember what it was, but I remember looking it up on my phone. And uh, it was a fake website that looked like an old ass website. And you could only <laughs> click on like really two things on it. So <laughs> made it look like a whole thing, but it was It looked like thing. the, uh, what was the, the Heaven's Gate website? <laughs> a little bit. Yeah. It looked a little bit like that, like the old uh, what the Angel Fire was that was that the thing? I can't even remember what they called those things. The Geo Cities. Geo Cities, yeah, like that kind of style. I think Marvel did that with like Captain 
Marvel, right? They they had yeah. the, the old GeoCities page put up. <laughs> fucking MIDI file plan when we went into it. I used to make those. I made GeoCities web pages. I had a couple of them. Yeah. I, never... I got into HTML tiny tiny bit. I could I could write the change the fonts and colors and stuff. I could I never was... figure it out. Other things were more difficult, but I mean, I couldn't get really crazy with it for sure. And I just didn't have hardware to do the really cool stuff, but So I know how this guy figured it out because of your trade and everything. <laughs> like you've just <laughs> always been good with computers. How did you figure it out? Like did somebody walk you through it or no, did there's, you there's tutorials online they're even back then text you just read of read me okay yeah and, and then... it gives you all the codes and i understood the basics of how like bracket bold and bracket type your thing and then like bracket slash bold and that means end bold and then bracket that would be hidden because it's in brackets but it's instructions for the text between the two somebody figured out that lebron james was gonna go back to cleveland when he went back to cleveland like a week beforehand because they were looking at his html code for his homepage, (laughs) and they realized that like it it was slotted in to like put in cavalier colors and that was like the one thing i read where i was like there might be something to that. And sure enough, that's where he went. But <laughs> I don't think people were really expecting him to leave Miami at the time. So that's score one for the computer programmers, right? Okay, so I want to talk about Candyman. I'm not going to spend a great amount of time on it. But I went to go see it with my daughter. We had a list of movies. We had seen a couple already. And it was down to two horror movies that are malignant. Uh, you should have gone to malignant. Yeah, I wasn't going to go see that with my daughter daughter because i knew nothing about it but i knew jordan peele wrote Candyman, and so i was like that's probably gonna be okay for my 12 year old to go watch you know (laughs) that that's basically what it came down to was like at worst she's probably gonna see some violence but like learn something about how the social order of things is fucked up and that's exactly what it was i've seen a lot of criticism about this movie because i think people wanted it to be a balls out horror movie i watched the old candy man's like i never thought they were scary did you guys ever see any of those movies oh i definitely saw quite a few of them did they ever scare you like even a little not really but i it takes a lot it's like a curse right yeah kind of well it's like once he's remembered thing but then like it's also like revenge, kill. Yeah, because he's you know, a, was he a son of a slaver? Or? He was like a slave that basically got lynched, and they put a honeycomb on him, and then they like burned him up. And uh, yeah, anyway, so in this movie, it basically I think it does it in a way where the original ones could still be the deal, but he's kind of getting reborn in this one. So it's like a soft reboot, I guess. I thought it was pretty good because, honestly, most of it talks about gentrification, and it really focuses on the little aspects of that. And at the end, like, Candyman is going after white people. You kind of, like, put it together by the end. Like, he never kills anybody from the neighborhood. It's always, like, people coming into the neighborhood. And they have a whole scene with police at the end that I thought was really, really interesting because it kind of starts with something with the police, and then they, they leave it for most of the movie, and they come back to it. And so... It's what you would expect from a Jordan Peele script. Now, it wasn't executed as well as Us or Get Out, but I thought it was pretty good movie. But if you're going there to be scared, 
I mean, it's not scary, but furthermore, like, I don't know why you would go to see a Candyman movie anyway. Like, I've, I've seen all of them at some point, I feel like, and I've never been scared by any of them. So I, I don't understand the hate on that front, but I thought it was fine. Like, it's good. good. Like a three and a half star movie. Well, me. good. We're glad that it's fine. <laughs> I didn't go. I had other things to do. Yeah, I asked Carl if he wanted to go, and he said no. And it was said as if, like, I don't like black people. Why would you ask me that? <laughs> yeah, I only watch those ones when it's like a remake like uh, of a Tim Robbins movie. Like, what Tim Robbins movie has been remade, just out of curiosity? In 2019, they remade uh, Jacob's Ladder with, like, an all-black cast. They did? Yeah. I had no idea this existed. I know. It's like Tyler Perry's... <laughs> oh no is it really <laughs> it's not literally that but it kind of has that um vibe to it is it actually jacob's ladder or did they just rip it off is the actually plot? jacob's ladder okay all right just had to check it is called jacob's ladder got it it's the plot <laughs> i guess it spoon feeds it a little bit more to you rather than be like dense and <laughs> and <laughs> that movie really is unknowable the first awkward. time you watch it like, it's, yeah. it's one that when you go back and watch it, you can see everything. But if you don't know what it's about, the first time you watch it, you're like, what the fuck is going on in this movie? There's a song by a band called Uncle. DJ Shadow is a member of this band at the time. And it's called Rabbit in Your Headlights. And they sample a section from the movie when uh, the guy's dis- making a certain, describing a certain thing. And... Uh, it makes the song mean a lot more when you've seen the movie and you know the reference of the sample. Like, it sounds cool anyways, but when you've seen the movie, it's like... <laughs> There's a Huey Lewis in the news song called Jacob's Ladder that goes step by step, rung by rung. We're higher and higher. I don't think it has anything to do with the movie. It's pretty sure reference? it came out slightly before. It's Dude. probably a reference to the Bible, maybe. Patrick Bateman. I think Jacob's Ladder is like a Bible reference, but I couldn't tell you what in the Bible it's referencing. Yeah. I think it has something to do about reaching out to heaven, maybe. Which book? Which Bible? Yeah. Um, I heard it as the Bible, so I'm assuming in the country we live in that meant the New Testament. Because <laughs> So speaking of that, real quick, one more tangent. I just learned recently that the term Judeo-Christian, right, which I grew up always thinking was like some kind of like term, historical, literary, whatever you would call it. Turns out that the use of the term Judeo-Christian did not come into popularity in any way, shape, or form until right after 9-11. When really? it skyrocketed like 100,000% in its usage in books and print, right? If you do a search through the books that were published and whatnot in the Library of Congress, you go through the Library of Congress, search for the word Judeo-Christian. It just like doesn't exist until 9-11 and then suddenly this. And the reason why is because Judeo-Christian is Muslim exclusive. Even though they all have the same, read the same ass books that are the same story. They just keep adding stuff on, like the Jews yeah. told a story that's, okay, here's a story. And then the Christians are like, oh, wait, we got some extra oh, that, chapters. That you left that plot hanging with the prophet. What about like, this? We'll, make, yeah. we'll make him JC. And then, and then the Muslims are like, oh, wait, there's more. You forgot this other thing. And then, like, 
I think we've even done this. I've had this rant before. Not on this podcast. It's not canon. Okay. Because <laughs> uh, like meanwhile, you've got like Joseph Smith and the Mormons like making their own fan fiction off. and jerk- <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, dude. For real. Those plates and stuff. That's very Jesus much Christ. like Twilight fan fiction for sure. Yeah. It's nonsense. <laughs> and like uh, so. And suddenly you got Fifty Shades Darker. Yep. Exactly. <laughs> Except for their followers tend to be Fifty Shades Lighter. So interesting. (laughs) Is that the third one? I really don't know. And Um, Utah has like a super high rate of uh, youth treatment facilities because they have a certain law structure that like allows for very lax rules. And so these big corporations open these youth facilities and the kids go there and then they like die because they get abused. Oh, the camps and so- – yeah. 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 They're like way – it's like really fucked up. In the state of Utah, a new person took over and they like started to actually investigate these places for real. And it went from like zero cases of abuse to like 1,000 cases of abuse. <laughs> And then you're thinking, like, how many fucking unreported cases year by year for the last, like, 50 goddamn years ever since this whole enterprise was first birthed? Yeah. You know? How many kids have just gotten chewed up in this meat grinder of, like... Yeah, it's kind of like when they started uh, <laughs> digging up the uh, the yards around the Catholic churches or on Native American land. In, in Canada? And the U.S. At the, at the schools? Yeah. You're talking about all the unborn ba- or unwed mothers, babies that were. Most of them yeah. were school age children. Like they were baptized for a really, really, really long time and then they went to heaven. Yeah. Thanks, Christianity. Uh, on that military camp front that you were talking about, I will never forget the haunting podcast I was listening to. While I was walking around outside of Disneyland hearing about that stuff because it's just like the next podcast that came on my phone. And I'm like walking around trying to decide, (laughs) should I go to IMAX? Should I just walk around and look at stuff because I had time to kill? And I'm just like listening to this thing about all these awful abuses. And I'm looking around at bratty kids running around. You should have gotten on the It's a Small World (laughs) boat ride. So they have like. With all the happy children singing. This was in the downtown Disney area. This is like you don't pay to get into that area. It like gives you the start of the feeling of Disneyland so that you will buy things or more preferably buy things, go into the park and then buy more things. Buy more things. But I'm cheap. So what I did was I just walked around a lot and then occasionally like caught an IMAX movie. (laughs) That's what I did at downtown Disney, like pretty much every time. So anyway, so we watched Why the Last Man, Carl and I did. Oh, boy. I'm really guessing you didn't watch it, Brandon. I was going to watch the first episode, but I had half an hour to kill and not not a full hour. That's not long enough. No. It's... You need a full hour. And you also that. need like a <laughs> minute say, or two to digest it when it, that first episode ends because it ends on a doozy. I will say they drop three episodes and yeah. I would recommend to carve out time in your schedule if you're going to watch it to watch all three in a chunk. Because it's like I, a little mini movie that gives you an – you need all three. Yeah. 
It you is want, all, you want to watch all three. You need the together. Th- you need the three things to I think to understand what the show is. Yeah. If you just watch one or two, I don't think you're gonna quite get it. I think three is when it really locks into place what they're doing. And I did not have the stomach to watch the show at first, like through those <laughs> first two episodes, because it was so pandemic heavy. Just like not even pandemic ha- heavy. How can I put this? It it drudged up a lot of my negative feelings that I'm having about the pandemic because it is a pandemic at the beginning. Sort of. I mean, it half, just happens so fast. Half the Y chromosomes drop off the earth. Like, All the Y chromosomes. Except for one. Two, except for w- two. Yeah. Well, and then reading the comic, of course, that's not it. But It is. <laughs> no, it's not. Oh, it's not? No. Because what's a last man on earth story without revealing that you're never, ever the oh, fucking right. last man yeah, on that's earth? True. <laughs> that is true. And, you know, also, like, you kind of, you do want to do that eventually just to get get rid of any kind of, like, chosen one, not, like, tropey nonsense that you might fall into. Yeah. Or do comparisons or whatever. But I, like, it was really so, hard for me to... to to get through those first two episodes. When I watched the third one, they started to like string in things where I was like, okay, I'm really, really interested in this. So I'm willing to like plow through it to kind of go with it. But it's tough, man. Like they talk about conspiracies in it, like how crazy people get at the start and the conspiracies that pop up. And we're dealing with that. Like it's just so fucking real right now that like that was a hard thing for me to kind of stomach while I was watching it. Um, Going around the subway with all the dead floating around, which they didn't actually show but it was just the idea of it you know oh and they show enough that is like disturbing like just the whole first episode for me i found it instantly captivating and being introduced to all the different characters and like having a very limited knowledge of what the show was but like really the basic premise is like what if all the men died so i've been joking that that's the show the what if all the men died show and uh of course, there was the obvious initial backlash to even hearing that this kind of show existed Yeah, online. And there is a panel from the comic that's like two women toasting and one's like, all the men are dead. And then the other one's like, good. And I don't even think that's – I think that's a real panel from the comic, but the text has been changed. And they're saying that, other things. That but they might... may have also been saying it in – it's being taken out of context. There's like all this stuff. But these people are super pissed. They're like, this is a miss, a Miss Andrus show. And can I can I break down like so I read one of the five graphic novels and No, just, let's no, not do that. But I mean just loosely what it is, is it is an examination of culture and what happens with with masculinity. And if you take out that masculinity, what happens? So that panel he's talking about probably does exist because there's this whole group of women called the Amazons and like they definitely want to make sure that men are gone so they're like destroying sperm banks and things like this and like they are kind of what happens when there's like a power vacuum so like they come in keep and in fill mind in. we're currently talking about the comic we're not talking about I am but show. I'm trying to give an idea like what these guys think it is is not accurate but that is one viewpoint in the book because Brian K. Vaughn is clearly showing a lot of different viewpoints within that book and like that group of which that panel was there is almost definitely these people that are filling the power vacuum when masculinity has gone they're talking a big game about how they're like bringing it all for womanhood but really like they're filling that void with more of the same bullshit 
Does that make sense? Well, the show has introduced completely new characters that don't exist in the comic. There's a lot of differences. And uh, they do the same thing by just having these new characters and flitting between their stories. You've got one lady that's like an, was an assistant to the president that died. And she kind of just gets lost in the shuffle of the transition when everything happens. And she's like stressed out trying to balance her work home life. And she was also used as a tool because she's a woman, right? Because the president's talking down to the, the representative who's a woman. And so he uses her to read off her words to like, he's using her as a tool and then immediately just gets lost in the shuffle because the guy's gone, right? Like she got used and then she's completely fucked in the situation because she got she used thought and she, he's gone. She thought she was useful. <laughs> Or she thought she was important because she was useful to one guy that happened to be the president. And when he suddenly dies, she has no actual place in the hierarchy structure, power structure of it. She gets abandoned. And it's just her and her daughter. Her son's dead. Her husband is dead. Uh, and then there's like another lady that is the daughter of the dead president. And she's like writing books about how modern culture is destroying masculinity and boys are being forced to fight against their instincts and just like really toxic like me- like ideology and then you see in the behind the scenes her life like she's just like constantly chasing after these three little monsters that do whatever they want and ignore her and have no respect for anybody and the dad doesn't even try to put an effort in to be a part of that he just like kids put on your shoes that's it as much effort as i just put into it sitting here and then when dead, her entire family dies, like she loses what, like five people, her dad, her husband, her three boys. Meanwhile, like some people lost, lost nobody. Some of these women lost nobody. And like the idea of like, you can't quantify loss, but you can absolutely quantify loss. <laughs> like that juxtaposition, that like, uh, double think mm-hmm. that we live in as reality because how do you justify either side of that rationally? But like, the crazy thing you, is, like, literally really everybody, everybody lost a lot, though. Like, because it, it plays Some out, people it plays out like a Thanos snap, right? Like, all of a sudden, power plants are going down. But it's unequal. Um, it's unequal across. It's not an even split, just like the snap wasn't an even split. Like, you say 50%, but there's people whose lives, like, cross over in weird ways, and they're on different sides of the spectrum. Like, there's people that benefit, strictly benefit from something like this. There are people that are going to be grateful that this happened, you know? See an opportunity, you know? And have no care for what the – like, the – the fallout or or what actually happened and i want to see their stories and i want to see the stories of the sad people but i want all of the sad people's stories because i want the show to make me sad all the time <laughs> let me introduce you to a little tale called the handmaiden's tale <laughs> right that's why i i'm not even given that show a chance even though i've heard that it's really well crafted it's and really good it's really good but it kills your soul after I, a couple seasons i kind of i get why a lot of folks didn't want to watch lovecraft country is because they kind of felt it had that kind of uh, feel to it as well and they like, would be tor- wrong suffering uh torture well i mean like watching the tulsa 
massacre like you're sure but that's like an episode you know like it's not all that like there's what about that episode where the woman goes into space i mean i loved the show i thought it was fantastic it's just like there's people that have that perspective and you gotta respect us you know i don't have to respect it but i'm not gonna force it down their throat either yeah Same thing. There's there's certain there's certain people with certain opinions I will not respect no matter how hard they have those opinions. <laughs> Don't care. But why the last man? Uh, I do think it's worth a watch if it really pushes buttons with you with the pandemic thing. I would say just try and push through. Like try and watch that introductory three. And if you still feel the same way, then give it up. But I do think this should be looked at as like a three hour deal instead of like a one episode. Yeah, you'll be it. fine. Get you'll get through. You'll be sucked right in. Like I was. There's a reason why they dropped these three. Yeah. Like, because it got you right away. But like, I don't know, man. Took- like you, you're, you like watch shit that people would never watch and that you yeah. hate just to like sold. rewatch it. Yeah. I was already like, sold on it because of Brian K. Vaughn being the source material. And uh, that's pretty much it. I didn't know anything else about it. I like some of his <laughs> stuff and I don't like some of his stuff. So I was like a, a wait and see guy I when I was watching it. But I gave it three episodes and I'm glad I did. And honestly, I gave it three episodes because I was going to podcast about it, if I'm being real. You know, we did kind of skim over Rick and Morty quite a bit. You want to go back to that? There was a spot where we transitioned from Rick and Morty into uh, what you call it. I don't know, but we can just talk about Rick and Morty. Well, no, I'm saying we can put this stuff. We could just easily drop this into that spot. That's okay. Before I don't want it segues. I literally am going to edit it when you guys leave and put it up. Like, I don't want to be up all night. Put this in the right spot. <laughs> <laughs> it is in the right spot. It's in the linear spot. <laughs> Rick and Morty is kind of a time. It doesn't really do time time uh, travel so much, but it does do, like, weird blippy. I think we hit one of the – we hit the reset button from season – for so we just jumped into a different spot. Yeah, we reset. It's fine. Not in time, but it's in space. Fine. Who cares about that other universe? It's fine. <laughs> uh, my favorite episode of the season? Jeez. Uh, there were some good ones. See, I really liked the uh, the Voltron episode. Yeah, the fact that they were like weasels or ferrets or whatever. Uh, <laughs> I didn't care much for that. But... That was the best part. They were so flippy floppy. <laughs> <laughs> That's the joke, of course, is that you take your – if you're going to pick a ro- an animal to make a goddamn giant robot vehicle out of, you're going to pick the animal that walks like its spine is a slinky? <laughs> That's the worst choice. <laughs> I like I, the fact that you could take like and make – of like the the Voltron equivalent, so like put five of them together, you get one, and then you like take another five like Voltrons and make a super mega Voltron, and then take five of those <laughs> and make a super ultra mega. Honestly, how could that be fun at a certain point when you're just trapped within a Voltron within a Voltron within a Voltron? Like, what fun are you having? You're not even doing anything with those controls at that point. There's no, one was... set of people who get to have fun with it, you know. But, yeah. but the, it's not but really what? even about the people that are piloting it. It's about uh, Rick <sighs> feeding his obsession and just going as taking it as far as he can, fractally, basically, fractal explosion. Yeah, and I think it was they really kind of did a uh, crime syndicate sort of setup with that episode. It felt too. like the mafia chicken, mafia fingers chicken finger episode episode of Community a lot. I got a lot a heavy <laughs> vibe of that. 
I think my favorite moment was everything with the two crows. The two crows were Rick and two crows is pretty amazing. Rick lives his best anime life as yeah. anime <laughs> hero, very like lone wolf and cub. Rick and two crows. And then finding out oh, just so many different things. Like, this was a very canon-heavy ending to a season. They really gave us a lot of resolution. Like, And we learned quite a bit about the Rick and Morty-verse as a whole. We got Rick's backstory basically confirmed, validated, I suppose, because it was functionally the same one from the episode where he's in the... The Szechuan sauce episode. Yeah. So, let me ask you guys a question. Because um, I love the episode. I'm not speaking against that. But I know a lot of the internet were like, can you trust him? Can you trust him? And I'm kind of at a point where with Rick, from everything I've seen from him, I tend to believe the things he says because, like, he doesn't give a fuck. You know what I mean? He just yeah, he says, doesn't necessarily lie. Like, he will makes he makes you feel dumb for not agreeing with whatever flies out of his mouth he usually is avoiding the question by insulting you in some way and distracting you from the fact that he is no longer answering your question that is true too but he doesn't lie (laughs) yeah he does everything around him misdirection obfuscation i mean he literally just said have you ever seen me bluff when he's (laughs) more he's trying to call his bluff you know like uh I guess that could count as lying is like the vat of acid, the actual tricking the bad guys with the vat of acid. But it's not something that he does to his family, something that he he will lie to. There's a line when it comes to the family. And I mean, if with the exception of uh, uh, (laughs) what's his face (laughs) with the origin story being what it is for Rick, everybody in his family is adopted by him. He never actually had any twice, kids. but the except well, Morty once, everybody else twice, right? Because yeah. there's the Cronenberg universe, yeah. like, and that's which is like crazy to put that in the first season, and then just be like, if that didn't hit you enough the first time, he did it before that. <laughs> well, and it's there's also evidence that he may have they may have done that at least one or two more times as well. Yeah. <laughs> like the and then they even mention when the like the squirrels in the Morty's mind blowers when the squirrels realize that Morty can hear them and they come for him they switch universes from that one cuz he says he says as they're leaving like oh we got it we can only do this three or four more times. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Otherwise it gets too old. Yeah. It's too easy of an out. What else happened this season? Oh, the freaking duplicates? What the hell? <laughs> the decoys? And it's just like decoys killing decoys killing decoys and you completely lose track of the originals because were they ever even around at all in the first place? And who were those people that got shot at the end of that episode? <laughs> were they? <laughs> I, I can't remember anymore, but I do know at a certain point, I was just like, every time they came on, I was like, clearly these are more decoys. <laughs> like, Yeah. <laughs> And that one ended with the great wood Jerry that's made of wood that, like, lives for an eternity (laughs) and just then winds up getting burned at the end. We also got Jerry as a puddle this season. Oh, Jerry. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, God. Jerry is the best. A few shows have been ending. We've got some shows ending. And one of them is the final season of uh, Brooklyn Nine-Nine. 
is in is happening. This week is the final episode, yeah. final two. It's a two part finale. When the last episode ended last week, I started a rewatch of the whole series. I'm halfway through season five. Well, I don't know halfway. I'm at the Halloween episode of season five, <laughs> and uh, the Great Heist. Yeah, so I've got uh, some of season five, and then six and seven, and then eight again. <laughs> Even though they're barely out, but they've been releasing them also two at a time, and so like one would end and the next one would just immediately start, and I wouldn't have time to savor that first one, and I just launch into the next one because they kind of felt like two parters all the way through, but they're not. They're all individual episodes, but just the fact that they released them in pairs feels like that's how you watch them. It's a brave new world, man. And it's a good season. They brought in Dr. Cox from Scrubs for the final season as uh, the uh, head of, like, the police union. Well, now I'm never going to watch it. And he's a it. fucking <laughs> – and he's so funny. Ruin the show for me, Carl. That's – As soon as I know there's a sc- Scrubs crossover on that. Uh, it's a – what's the other show we did? Um, uh, uh, the Elliot Gould one. Not Elliot Gould. What's that dude's name? Goulet. Not Goulet. <laughs> what? No, uh, the Stan against versus evil. Stan against versus evil. evil. Stan against evil. Stan versus evil. I think it's Stan against evil. Stan yeah. versus the against evil. And it's got, what's his name? The guy from Scrubs. No. Well, yeah, John C. <laughs> McGinley. <laughs> but it's why well, I don't know his name. I don't care enough to know. <laughs> Dana Gould. That's the guy's name. Dana Gould show. He's the, he's the creator. Yeah. Yeah. And he plays a grave digger with a speech impediment on the show. And that was it. You're just, you're yeah. just like that one thing. There's witches. <laughs> yes, there is. And he's a grumpy old bastard and it, it, uh, it wears thin pretty fast. Yeah, I didn't like it very much. But I watched the whole damn thing because I also do like uh, pretty much everyone in the cast. One of the guys, the, one of the deputies is, uh, what's her name? Uh, what's his name? Uh, one of the McPoyles from It's Always Sunny. Jimmy Simpson. No, the other one. Then I have no idea. <laughs> but that's what I'm saying. You, Jimmy Simpson's in a ton of stuff. Yeah. This guy's only in like these couple of things. So when you see him, you're like, oh, there's the dude from It's Always Sunny. But to be fair, I always think an O'Poil every time I see Jimmy Simpson, dude. But that's the first thing you go to? Yeah. Hmm. That's how I was introduced to him, I feel like. Too bad for him. It is too bad for him. (laughs) (laughs) He was, you know, he he got to be the lead on a show. Well, not the lead, like co-lead of an ensemble cast. What show was that? It was called Breakout Kings. It was was like a dancing show? No, it was a show about um, every episode somebody broke out of prison. And this team was a bunch of convicts that were all like in prison. And this uh, is prison break. It's suicide you're squad. About. This no, is no, no, prison no. break. No, because prison break, the whole first season of prison break, they broke out of one prison. They were in prison and they broke out. This is catching them after they break out of prison. So every episode begins. This is the spinoff. The series, cold the prison open. Break. No, it has nothing <laughs> to do with prison break. If anything, the spinoff of prison break is uh, the Flash. Because uh, or DC Legends of Tomorrow or Legends of well yeah but they started on the Flash those characters started on the Flash as Captain yeah. Cold and Fire guy Heat Wave whatever I think Mick Rory and then they and he was Dracula and Blade Trinity bringing it back to Blade 
<laughs> Wesley Snipes, you're out. Mahershala Ali, you're in. <laughs> and now the Netflix shows are even farther away from canon because he can't be Blade and Cottonmouth. At They've already time. done it. They've already doubled up on They people. killed Cottonmouth. I know, but it's fine. They've already done it. I want them to bring back Cottonmouth. <coughs> what a waste of so many good characters the Netflix series were. <laughs> I mean, I liked Kristen Ritter as Jessica Jones. I liked Mike Coulter as Luke Cage. I liked what's his name as Daredevil. Yeah. I thought Iron Fist was a huge waste except for uh, – I liked three out of five. Iron Fist and The Punisher could not yeah. get into. I really tried with Iron Fist. Punisher, the shine was so off the rose by that point. I just didn't want to. They should have gone with the Misty Knight and – Colleen Wong because those ladies they are a team in the comics already they're like the dragon twin dragons or some nonsense and that's like it was right there they were she talking was the about breakout Colleen Wing was the breakout star of Daredevil. But you got to remember the Fist. timeline of this. Like they were talking about doing that, and then Netflix start started axing. I guess everything. all of that was all kind of in motion behind the scenes. We didn't yeah. really know. About. Like I think Marvel realized that that they point. were doing a lot of. Upheaval with like severing ties with like Pearl Mutter, which killed a lot of. It's one of the reasons why Agent Carter and Agents of Shield and all the non Netflix stuff was kind of Ike Pearl Mutter had a lot to do with nurturing those things because he was trying to sell toys. That was his goal, and the best way to sell toys is with a TV series, better than movies because the TV series is ongoing. It's a constant weekly commercial instead of a commercial every. It's a cheaper commercial every week. Are you thinking of Avi Arad? Like, that was his whole goal. I'm thinking like... of Ike Perlmutter. Okay. He was basically gone by the time the Russo brothers really started taking. Oh, you're talking about stuff. the dude who used to be co in charge with yes. Kevin Feige. Yes. Got you. And then when they finally forced him out, that was, I think, that, that was the difference. time when everything started to trend better. Yep, because Kevin Feige went up to uh, whoever the CEO of Disney was at the time. It was the last guy. And uh, he was like, look, I've got big plans for these characters and the movies are going to get expensive and they're going to make you a lot of money. But like, I can't do it with this guy because he literally counts paper clips. He's making yeah. everything worse. And like he, he really was. Everything that <clears throat> dude touches turns to shit, dude. Iron Man 3 ends as if Iron Man's hanging it up. And it specifically ends that way because Robert Downey Jr., was like having contract arguments with that guy and he wouldn't give him an inch at all. And Robert Downey Jr. was so unpaid, like underpaid for those first three movies compared to like how A-listers were paid at the time, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And like Terrence Howard also kind of had his little diva moment, which got him fired. Yeah. I think looking back at that, it might be time for a reappraisal on that one. I've never been a fan of Terrence Howard to begin with, so I was fine that he was replaced by Don Cheadle because I like Don Cheadle a hell of a lot more just as an actor and, like, I'm sure as a person. I'm just I'm sure as a person. I really know nothing about Terrence Howard. The only thing I know about (laughs) Terrence Howard is that he was in Hustle and Flow, and fuck that movie, dude. I do not like that movie. Yeah, you really, you were like foaming at the mouth every time we talked about Oscars. You always had to bring up Hustle and Flow over and over again so that you could get mad about it. It's hard out here for a pimp. (laughs) You're trying to get money for the rent. Pimp does not rhyme with rent. And it's way, the pimp is the one that has it 
It pimping is easy, okay? It is. Of the two jobs, because it's only half of the job, you're not a pimp unless you have prostitutes. And they're the ones that do all the work. And then you just take money? Fuck that shit. That's not hard. Quit trying to make pimps sympathetic. <laughs> they are a bad part of the whole system. <laughs> they are like a toxic, the most toxic element of the sex worker system. Yeah, I'm not going to stand up for pimps here. <laughs> Just not going to do it. <laughs> I like how we went from Rick and Morty to prostitute by way of Iron Man. <laughs> it's natural. It's organic. We're just flowing, baby. Just a little hustle and flow out here. <laughs> <laughs> hey, right. guess who just won uh won an Emmy? It's Bo Burnham. Bo Burnham won an Emmy for that uh inside, that inside. special. It was pretty good. I yeah. Mean. And uh one of the WandaVision Emmys, which was like production design, costumes, and Agatha all along. Did Don Cheadle win his Emmy? <laughs> Probably not. He was nominated for oh, Falcon right. and the Winter Soldier, and everybody was like, even Don Chino was like, what the fuck? Yeah, that was weird. Because he was yeah. only on screen for like 45 seconds at best. It's like people just, they threw his name on there as a joke, and people just voted for it because they saw his name. I think what probably happened was Disney put it up for consideration, not because they didn't have anything for that slot, and then they, they fucking seized on it. I mean, they totally it. did, but. Yeah. I thought there were a lot of good performances. Although, like, so looking back so far, what do you think is the strongest Marvel series so far? Okay, we haven't gotten through What What's If already. But if I'm to just judge it by where we're at so far, to me, Loki was the strongest. I'm going to go in reverse order here. I'd, I'd probably go Loki and then Falcon and Winter Soldier only because it's consistent with all the episodes. Then WandaVision. I think WandaVision has higher highs than Falcon and Winter Soldier. But I think those last two episodes just are the only thing I really, really liked in it was the stuff with Vision. I thought it kind of kind of fell apart a little bit what they were doing. And then at the bottom of that rung probably what if but i've enjoyed them all just to be clear yeah i think i would switch the middle i would put one division above falcon and winter soldier i would agree with you carl I I enjoyed WandaVision a little more than I enjoyed Falcon. And, the and they Soldier. were both really good. Like I, mean, they, I did enjoy. I found myself captivated. Sometimes I'm not. <laughs> and I'm not shitting on any of them. I I enjoy mm-hmm. all of them. So yeah, you like the Marvel universe. Yeah, I think we're Suck all in it. the same boat in this one. In that we really liked it. WandaVision, I could easily flip them. I just like for me, it was just like it was kind of consistent at a level and WandaVision like had very very high peaks and then those last two episodes I mean you gotta admit those last two episodes were like a little rough to watch and if anybody thinks that like we're just like only Marvel people just know that I've been watching Titans that's DC I plan on watching (laughs) Doom Doom Patrol when it debuts in 10 days on the 23rd hell yeah season 3 of Doom Patrol nobody else caught up on that shit are you? Get caught up. It's a good I shit. I fall asleep every time I try and oh, watch Doom so Patrol. I would also say Timothy for, Dalton, man. If you're wondering, if, Frazier. If you're Come wondering on. if we're just in the bag for Marvel, I would say to also go back and listen to the two times we talked about Suicide Squad. We like that stuff. Let's talk about yeah. it again real quick. Oh, uh, I of would say that's James Gunn more than DC. <laughs> I honestly, we're constantly peppering stuff about DC in here. It's just like to be honest. 
I mean, I don't think this is an amazing thing to say. I think it's kind of the consensus thing. When you talk about the movies, one clearly has the edge over the other. You know, when you start talking, like I've, I'll debate with Jeremiah over some specifics because he's a big DC head. But I feel like most people agree when you look at the whole scope of it, Marvel's winning for movies. Uh, DC's winning for shows. They were. I, landscapes changed a bit. Maybe we should put that on the back burner a bit. I think I still think that. Um, I think Marvel has the, the better shows overall, but like DC the is, problem is doing it Marvel, at such a high clip. It, the thing is that like Marvel is doing something that is cohesive mm-hmm. and yeah. interconnected and in a very intentional and well planned out and well executed way. And they've even managed to like bridge the gap of working with other film companies to successfully do this, aka Sony. Like, uh, I have a feeling that if they're gonna delve into like X Men or Fantastic Four, well, maybe not Fantastic Four, but like X Men and some of these other ones, they may do that as well with like use these variants and yes. stuff. Yeah, I wouldn't um, doubt it. But uh, I wouldn't doubt if we got a variant of. Quicksilver that was her like the one we saw in WandaVision and the X-Men movies like I wouldn't doubt that they might throw that out again like I'm not saying they will but it's not out of the realm of possibility now either you know they could do a lot of things that's pretty interesting and you just don't have that kind of thing with DC well everything is completely disconnected in DC like the problem is the current DCEU is like uh um Two movies by Patty Jenkins, one movie by James Wan, one movie by David Ayer, one movie by... We get it. <laughs> and then and a bunch of shit and, by Zack Snyder. And Zack and, Snyder has got such a heavy stamp, and he's such a divisive figure to be like the helmsman for the DCEU. But then there's like... All the Nolan stuff from Beck and like yeah, all the Donner stuff and like and the yeah. Tim Burton, Burton, stuff. Burton and Schumacher. Yeah, There's and that's, so much. That feels like the only card DC has to play. And their animated stuff point. has always been better. It's always like yeah. miles ahead of the animated stuff Marvel does. The animated stuff Marvel does is straight garbage. So I would I have not yet seen a good Marvel show. I adamantly disagree with you i think that that there was a point where that was true i think in the last couple of years we've gotten some super solid avengers cartoons we've gotten a couple of super solid spider-man cartoons and we've gotten what if which like honestly what What if if is 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 like the gold standard i'm not even a big fan of the cel-shaded cel-shade animation of style of it it's just like they've intentionally with dc they've intentionally like covered some of the most classic batman and superman and justice league stories so well and created new stuff you know with creating harley quinn i think when you look at the whole scope of their tv arm they win like i I think marvel's got the this is this is my wandavision versus falcon thing i was just saying like i think marvel's peaks are higher right now on tv because they have these like prestigious shows but i think dc is just like steady and better overall because they have it's not just lately that they've been killing it on the tv front they've been killing it on the tv front for a long long time and they they're doing a thing though where they like go like they're timeline is like spikes and valleys of their individual shows 
all being sort of like individually rated because they're so disconnected from one another that they're all being considered on their like own merits. And a lot of them fall through the cracks because they're not about in- characters that are very well known. And uh, like Stargirl probably <laughs> is like kind of the only reason Stargirl probably got a better audience is because it debuted on HBO Max and CW. By the way, uh, and that, it's great. <clears throat> that Superman and Lois show, like fucking check it out. Once again, I said it before. That one also is on really CW good. but doesn't feel like a CW show. Because they doubled the budget. It just purely – they doubled the budget and they knew they were going to also put it on HBO Max for, yeah. for stints. And like it shows, dude. It's just – it's the good stuff about the CW shows – and very little of the bad stuff. Like it's still there. They're like they can't you fully know what? escape that formula. Let's, no, but they kind of do. They're like, okay, twenty episodes. No, let's do like eleven. That's much better. That, like yeah. right so away. So much fluff in those CW dude, shows. Yeah, yeah, like take that fucking budget and just put it into like better effects for less episodes. Where like you're not retelling the same fucking thing over and over again. He got to run. How many faster. times can the Flash like? Try to train himself to run faster. Like how many fucking like okay. the Flash was and so totally good, and they just you. ran that show okay. into the ground. Yeah. I totally agree with you, but I mean, consider <laughs> how many times fucking like Goku has to power up for the next fight. And I don't then know. Get stronger, and then he has to get stronger, and then he has to get stronger. That's like I don't know what a Goku is. Dragon Ball <laughs> Z, man. Dragon Ball is that a rapper? Dragon Balls. Dragon Ball. Are you playing? Are you playing a character like guy that doesn't Superman. know what Dragon Ball is? <laughs> it's nev- an anime show that's like the biggest anime show of all time, except maybe for Pokemon. But it's like literally the biggest goddamn thing. Super Saiyan going Super Saiyan. You've never heard about this. See these four. You fingers. are making this shit up. See that these you don't know fingers? what this is. That is the amount of anime things I have seen in my life. No, but you, that's not that that's doesn't make That's not the, the cut. point. It's like <laughs> you don't have to have ever seen a single episode of Pokemon. I've heard the name Dragon Ball Z. I have no idea what the fuck you're talking about the rest of it. I'm not I'm not Wow. I don't like you know what? I don't like participate in memes as much as everybody else. Is this what this is? Is this no, a meme I'm, thing? Is this why I'm supposed to know? I think as it? like a as a fellow librarian of culture. <laughs> <laughs> a custodian of of knowledge about all of this random television stuff and at, like a his, a chronicler i'm surprised <laughs> at this blind spot that's all i'm surprised that you have this i think this there's gap. like this cuz dragon I think there's ball like the, there's actually good, like a but it's important. generation gap there yeah it doesn't no nah, there's people that are there are people in but fact it's, it's not. a long running show that goes back to well before my time I, so I, you're I, actually the perfect age to have. I do want to touch on what Brandon's saying here because I did talk about this on a Cosmic Void. If you go and listen to our Akira episode, I did talk about this. And we were not exposed to hardly anything anime when we grew up. It just did not exist on our TVs. It was around. It was like on tapes that people passed to each other. And we were not in that circle of people, right? Like our friend, they're, they're not, our friend Kirk, right? In high school. <laughs> yeah, probably had. I think like, he was. He like knew it was, that. Was stuff, a, there was a few you could get see, some like, stuff, but it was okay. So like Dragon, not, this was the craziest thing. Is like Dragon Ball Z came out in 1986. I believe you. I just no 1989 to 1996, right? But when I was in high school, 
new episodes were coming out in America because they were just translating them into English. Right. And that's so sort of like what they did with Mighty anime and Power nerds, Rangers, right? Hardcore anime nerds were watching them in the time they were coming out subtitled. And then when they got re-released with dubs, new dubs, and then whenever they would get new dubs, they'd get re-released again. And eventually it would get difficult to like, keep track of like what was a new release and what was a re-release. With a new voice cast or some nonsense? Yeah, I'm just I'm just saying it's not an excuse. It's just an explanation. Like I was not I was not exposed to it until like so far out that it it it's hard for me to like even wrap my head and into it. And I've tried sound- a couple of times. I've done a couple episodes where we've done anime shows and it's like or anime movies. And even then, one was really easy. Perfect blue. I could understand what was going on. And that was fine. It was very straightforward, felt like a thriller. Akira I had somebody explain it to me and break it down very, very well. And that like, helps. that was amazing. That because, one's a little dense. Dude, I wanted to put my head through a wall while I was watching because I had no idea what was going on <laughs> the entire time. <laughs> and now that I have context for that, I, I could probably watch it easier this time. But I was even reading things on the internet and I'm like, where are you getting this from? Like, none of that was said in the. <laughs> So it's like Blue is like one of the least anime animes out there too. I think that's why I was able to vibe with it very easily. But the guy (laughs) that makes that has made some other ones. I think he made one called Paprika that I actually saw at the Myrnaloy and it was like about dreams and it was weird. I liked it though. There's like a crazy parade at one point of like just the animation was gorgeous. It's similar to Ghibli. Yeah. Perfect Blue is one that you could watch, and it's really weird how much Darren Aronofsky fucking ripped off from it. <laughs> yeah. Like, I'm sitting there watching it, and I'm like, oh, my God. There was, like, four or five things that I was just like, that's Requiem for a Dream. That's Requiem for a Dream. That's Black Swan. Like, yeah, it's it's pretty bad. But we should probably wrap this up now. We somehow went from not having enough content to going, like, to an overstuffed episode again. Well, You're welcome, listener. Well, Dragon Ball Z, I'm just, like, still in mild shock that you know nothing about it. There's, like, so many references and jokes that it's it's got these – it's the origin of tropes, like – just like having to constantly get more and more powerful and discover new levels of power above the levels of power that you've already attained and getting stronger. And then, oh, he reached the next level. We didn't even know that there was another level to reach. Do you want to know something really funny, Carl? And then he unlocks a new power move because he wasn't going to be able to beat the bad guy. And also there are episodes or like fights that are literally like, 30 episodes long and one episode in the middle of that fight will literally just be like them thinking at each other thinking stuff about the fight yeah and not speaking (laughs) so what's really funny about that was i didn't know that that was the trope in anime until you literally told me this like a couple of months ago when i was over at your house you were like talking about it because we watched one one punch man yeah we watched an episode of one punch man i had no idea what's going on what the (laughs) The gimmicks and the, the tropes of anime are. Yeah. I just have no context for it. Mm-hmm. I'm I am trying. Like Jeremiah's forcing me to try. So, you know, I'm trying. Oh, uh, so speaking of which, one of my good inspirational people on Twitter and like creatively, he writes Wondermark and some other webcomics and some great novels. His name's David Malkey. He tweeted a thing the other day. We can go out on this maybe. 
but it's like in regards to tropes in fiction, right? You've got fridging, which is when a girl dies purely to motivate the hero to do a thing, right? When there's a father figure that either dies or abandons his kid purely to motivate to do that, he proposes we call that a flat pop. A flat pop? Yeah. What is that? Like flat soda pop. Okay. Because of how unpleasant that is. <laughs> it's fair. Like, it's just kind of annoying when you're like, and it doesn't do the ch-ch. Yeah. It's just kind of annoying right out of the gate. Doesn't taste And it's also good. like, it's it's a bad term because you don't want to do it, right? Yeah. We've seen it enough. We've yeah. read about yeah. it enough. That's been used enough to like bad dad or dead dad. I mean, remember our whole daddy episode? <laughs> do you remember the daddy issues that fiction has? <laughs> Fiction is 99% daddy issues. It's fucking pathetic. Sometimes it's mommy Get issues, over but your it's daddies. mostly daddy issues. And I love my dad. After I saw Big Fish in the theater, I <clears throat> called my dad and I like, to be, told him I love him. If we're going to be completely fair, there's a lot of plots that are mommy issues because the mom gets fridged. <laughs> right. So that's why we needed a name for both sides because it's uh, like you're not fridging daddies. You're, they're just flat pops. Because sometimes they also are bad. It's more often that a dad, it, or I mean, it happens more often with dads than with moms. Moms pretty much exclusively die. Dads, moms are dads often, occasionally run away. If we're being completely or honest, are the bad guy. Moms don't even get to enter the picture half the time. You just get a backstory that the mom dies. How like, often, we don't even know what happened to the mom. How often does the mom turn out to be the villain? Oh, a lot. A lot. Like when? Name one. I mean, I know that you can. I'm just wanting an example. I'm not trying to gatekeep you or anything. Psycho. So. What? Flashpoint, the TV movie that DC made, uh, or the the straight to to video movie that they made. You're talking Joker mom? Yes. Like Mm. Bruce Wayne's mom. After after uh, Bruce gets killed in the alley, she becomes the Joker. You're asking me for one example. I know, but but I, I... that's a pretty out. That's not like a common example. That's like a pretty obs. Now we're gonna pick apart the example I gave. You asked me for what? I mean, I I said I knew that like one was. I'm not trying to gatekeep you. <laughs> How about mother? You're not trying to gatekeep me, but you said mother's no, the not villain? that way. The 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 alien ship. No, the no mother. The Bong Joon Ho movie. Yeah, she does become a villain at the end of that. You're right. Yeah. And, and servicing her son. Yeah. She'll do anything to protect him at the end. Is that... You You watched it. We did it I remember for it. Box yeah, Office sort of. I'm trying to remember it. It's been a while. Yeah, because the kid who wasn't quite all there and ended up killing the girl. By accident. Then, yeah. But then the mother winds up murdering somebody who, like, saw it happen to protect her son at the end. I guess I was trying to think of like in We totally spoiled that too. We're bad people. I guess I was trying to think of <laughs> like more people. in like main main in like mainstream fiction like in any Star Wars storyline or Marvel storyline or DC storyline how often does the mom Not as often. No, definitely not turn as often. into the actual villain. A villain character like level character like It's harder to think of I examples. Mean, the thing about Batman too is like male villains in the Batman universe can be from all sorts of walks of life in different places, even though they're mostly white guys. But he has to be able to like 
fuck all the girl villains. So they got to be within a certain range, you know. <laughs> Can't have no inbred babies. I'm just saying that all the girl villains got to be fuckable. There's no ugly girl villains in Batman world. And Batman world, no. There's like Catwoman and Poison Ivy and is that it? Harley Quinn. <laughs> yeah, and they're all hot as fuck. Yeah. Or they're all yeah. being drawn hot as fuck by yep. certain people, by guys and girls too. Girls like to draw girls hot. Well, because they want to keep working. No, but they yeah. do like doing it. Right. Let's not like not if, let them enjoy it. If we're being doing totally that. real, unless they're trying to make somebody purposely ugly, you usually make Why the men you, do that? you idealize as well. all these we're idealizing all yeah. this stuff. Like the superheroes tend to like have the six Eat. pack and the giant like they're fucking cut most of them, you know? Yeah. Some not cum all gutters. Them, what's that? Some cum gutters. And I mean, even when you draw the penguin in like the style from like the the animated series style, like he's not grotesque. Looking. No, but he's also supposed he's cartoonish. To... Now the way Danny DeVito does him, that's grotesque. <laughs> <laughs> and you could easily draw him closer to that. He's actually like if you look at his original depictions in the comics, he's actually just closer to what you a would mobster. picture as a generic social light. He's a mobster. I mean, he is, but you you picture him like he's the penguin because he's wearing a fucking tuxedo and he's wearing the the top hat and the monocle. Like it's all these things that indicate somebody of wealth and like quote unquote taste or whatever. Like he was an upper crust kind of guy. Yeah, one of his big storylines, which is even the storyline part of his storyline in the movie Batman Returns, involves him running for mayor. Right. Mm -hmm. So he's like he he can gain the respect of just regular people dude okay i'm sorry this has got to be the last thing that we go out but like batman. we we did an episode on batman uh for in syndication and we were noticing we did this episode where the mayor runs or where, where the runs. penguin runs for mayor and fucking like i'm not making this up right it was everything that trump was doing <laughs> Like, I'm not Post-election. I'm like, not fucking kidding, dude. It's like everything that Trump was doing. Like, it's not, the only thing he didn't do, as far as we know, was tie people up, like, to <laughs> yeah. chairs so that oh, Batman would that. have to get them. Yeah. That might have happened. I don't know. But everything else was like. If you punch a Trumpster in the face, you see the, like, zonk, pow, <laughs> wonker, zippity bop. Abba Zabba. There it is. <laughs> Skiddly douche. Skiddly douche. Skibbity boop. I'm not doing Louis that. I'm not, Armstrong. I'm not comfortable doing that. Skibbity boop. <laughs> I'm cutting this off. <laughs> Please subscribe, rate, and review the show. Follow us or reach out on Instagram at NSF underscore network, Facebook's Not Safe for Network page, or email Not Safe for Network podcast at gmail.com. Not Safe for Network was created and hosted by Carl Borneman, Brandon Beardsley, and Alex Small. Produced by Alex Small. Have a laugh with Lauren and Sarah as they dip in and out of topics every other week on their shiny new podcast, Dippers. Weekly pop culture news you can use, coupled with reviews, deep dives you can't refuse, and occasional interviews on Not Safe for Network. Every week, Jeremiah and Biggs break down influential movies, tracing their influences and effects on cinema. They also occasionally suffer through a really wretched stinker in the movie podcast, A Cosmic Void. Eric and Connor will guide you through the world of wrestlers on the big screen in the show you can understand just by its title, Movies with Wrestlers. <laughs>